This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, everyone. Welcome into another Pipeline podcast. I'm Tim McMaster along with Jim Callison, Jonathan Mayo of MLBPipeline.com. Arizona Fall League rosters are out. We're going to take a closer look at those rosters. Yohan Moncada is on his way to Fenway Park. We'll break that down. But let's start with another player who's going to be in the AFL. Jonathan got a chance to catch up with Ozzy Albies, the young infielder in the Braves system, sat down with him. So let's take a listen of Jonathan and Ozzy. So, Ozzy, I know it's been, you know, a long season. You've, you know, accrued a lot of games and at-bats and all that. But how, you know, how much are you looking forward to, you know, getting some more baseball in in the Arizona Fall League? Um. I'm, it's been a long season this year for me, and uh, I mean, this is what I do. This is what I love to do. So I'm just going to do the same as the Fall League, and I'm going out there to play with the best minor league guys, a nice group of guys. So I'm just going to go out there and do my best, like always, in and out. Yeah, well, you're, you're a guy who always plays with such high energy. Uh, does it get hard, you know, harder? You know, as the season wears on and now extending the season, or do you think that just being out there and, you know, it's a, it's a pretty relaxed setting that you'll, you'll sort of be able to keep up that kind of energy level that you usually have when you play? Yes, uh, I will play the same or harder in folly. Like, this is what I do. I play with energy every day, and uh, I'm just going to do my best to let the Braves see what I got for the next year. Now, do you, you, you mentioned how you, you know, the fall is playing against the best minor league players. You had the opportunity to play in a futures game. Um, obviously not every fall league roster is that packed with, you know, top prospects, but overall, I mean, do, you, do you see it as a similar thing like day in and day out facing really, really good competition like you did in the futures game? Yeah, like even uh, on those minor leagues that play here, you see the top prospect guys that they play hard every day. They know what their goal, and that's mine too. So I'm gonna do the same. How has the uh, the transition to to second base been for you? Uh, all reports are that you know you, you, it seems to be going fine, but what's what's been challenging for you to sort of do things differently after having been nothing but a, a shortstop for most of your life? At the first, when I played my first couple of games there, it was a little different, a little hard. It was the opposite. Everything was shorter. And I had to uh, minimize myself because I always played shortstop before. But the transition was, so far, it's been really good, and I'm feeling more comfortable every day in and out on second base. So I feel good there now. Yeah, I would imagine the first time you get a routine ground ball at second and you get up to throw to the first base and you almost take his head off just because you're used to yeah. the, the longer throw. 
Yes, uh, the first ground ball I had to second base. I threw it hard. Even the first baseman was like, hey, you're close to me. You don't have to throw it that hard. I was like, <laughs> I'm used to, you know, the long throws. So I had to short my throw and minimize myself. <laughs> right, right. Um, now, one of the things about, you know, moving to second is that it allowed you, you know, after your time in AAA to play alongside uh, Dansby. And, you know, you guys created a really close bond in spring training, I know. How how much fun was it for for you guys to to get that chance to play together in Mississippi? It was it was amazing. It was fun. We played together. We turned some double plays. We just had fun and played the game right. And hopefully, we play it together again. Is that is, is that what you have your eye on? I think a lot of people are almost expecting you to get to get called up in in September. Uh, I know when you got sent down in spring training, even though you knew you had no chance of making the team, there was that part of you, that competitor, that was a little ticked off. I mean, how much are you looking forward to maybe getting your feet wet in the big leagues in September before going to the Fall League? I mean, that's a big thing for me. That's what I'm looking for. That's my goal for this year. And uh, hopefully I got the call. I would do, like I said, play hard and do my job like always and yeah, I want to be up there. <laughs> have you have you talked to Dansby since he's been up there? Just in terms of what it's like and and how excited the two of you would be to to be together on that stage so quickly. Um, I talked to him after he was he been called up. Told him congrats. We talked for a little bit, but we didn't talk any different stuff. And he just told me to keep doing doing my thing and see what's gonna happen. What did you learn? You know, you got pushed up to AAA, you know, pretty quickly. Uh, at first, when you know they wanted you and Dansby to keep playing shortstop, and you know, you you struggled a little tiny bit, probably for the for the first time in your professional career. What what did you learn w- with your time in AAA, and how did you adjust? In AAA, even uh, the pitching was a little like you'd be throwing you everything for a strike. Most of the time in and when I was in low A double A this year, before I got called up to AAA, they uh, they throw the off speed a lot in the dirt just to make you go fresh. But in AAA, they would throw everything for a strike, and I had to make adjustments. So I was like, I'm just gonna, you know, sit back to to just look something around close to the zone, and I will put my bird on it. That's how I adjust, and I was feeling way better too because I had to slowly start. But then I make adjustment and keep it at two, hit around two to fifty, and I was feeling better. Do you feel that you know that that experience? You know, when you moved back down to Double A, you really sort of, you know, hit the ground running once you moved back down to Mississippi. That it made you a much better, you know, overall hitter, a better overall player, uh, so that you were able to play as well as you have since you've been back in Double A. Uh, when I came back in Double A, the pitching was—I mean, it was not like the Triple A pitching. So I start hitting, hitting, hitting like that, like every day, and I was like, I don't know what else to do. Like, I feel good here. Right. That's the only thing. I was feeling really great here, and I still feel great here in Mississippi. But I want to reach my goal. <laughs> 
No, I know. I know you do. Do you have to remind yourself, or do people have to remind you? I mean, that you're you're still only 19. I know that you have, you set very aggressive goals for yourself, which I think every team wants their prospects to do. You know, uh, but do you have to remind yourself? All right, well, if for whatever reason you don't get that September call up, uh, you're still really ahead of the curve. You can go to the fall league and and use that as a as a springboard to the big leagues next year. Yeah, sure. Uh, when I, if I, I mean, I'm expecting both. If I don't get the call up, I'm going to do, like I said, play hard. So next year I can make the team and open 2016, 2017 in the new stadium for the Braves. So, so either way, I mean, knowing you, if you don't get the September call up, you'll probably use that as motivation to, to work even harder and, and prove that you belong up there. Yes, I will. I will work harder in off season, everything to have a great spring training again to make things finally happen. <laughs> I'm looking forward to seeing you uh, continue to to work when I'm when I'm out in Arizona. So you know, good luck the rest of this year. Whatever happens, September call up or no, and I'll see you out in Arizona later in the fall. All right, sounds great. Thank you. All right, thanks, Ozzy. Take care. That was Ozzy Albies talking to Jonathan ahead of the AFL and, and also maybe a promotion to the Atlanta Braves here in September. Jonathan, what did you take away from the interview and, and a chance to catch with catch up with Ozzy? I mean, he's, he's always been a supremely confident young player. <clears throat> and I remember um, spring training, I happened to be in Braves camp when he got sent down. And he knew he wasn't making the team. I mean, the guy hadn't played above A-ball, but he was visibly ticked off that he had to leave, you know? And, and so he has spent this whole year trying to work his way back onto the big league stage. So, you know, if he gets called up, great. If not, I think, uh, you know, like he said, he's just going to use that to work harder. Uh, and, you know, the one thing that really stood out to me is he, he, he would never guess that he was a 19 year old from another country where English is not his primary language. Uh, just a very impressive young man. Yeah, absolutely. And it brings up a good question. These guys that get called up in September, uh, Jim, and then go to the Arizona Fall League after that, that's a busy, long year of baseball, isn't it? It is, although, I mean, I guess we don't know for sure that, that Ozzy in particular will be called up. And right. a lot of times if you're called up in September, you might not uh, you might not be playing anyway. I just think that's kind of become the norm. I, I don't have a problem with it, especially with position players. I mean, you might take a little time in the off season, otherwise you're going to be, you know, honing your craft. Some of these guys might go play winter ball anyway, uh, you know. And then for a young guy like Ozzy Albies, the more games, the better. You know, you you learn how to play tired, you get a chance to develop. Uh, you know, in his case, you know, we kind of beat the drum on this with uh, Dancy Swanson, and the Braves didn't listen to us, but that was okay. But I, I just don't really see much merit in calling him up in September. I think he'd probably be better served by getting some time in the instructional league and, and then going to the fall league. Now, neither of you guys love the timing of the Dansby Swanson decision, as you said, but I feel like you were more split on the Yohan Moncada issue, and we've discussed this, I think, the last two podcasts, whether or not the Red Sox would bring up Moncada in September, whether or not it was a good idea. And the news broke uh, late Wednesday night that officially he was heading to Fenway. He'll be with the team on Friday. The, as we record this podcast on Thursday, the Red Sox are off. So we know the answer now. Mankata's up with Boston. 
Um, so now the questions become, what will his role be? Um, is it the right timing? What is he going to do? But let's start with this, and I'll go back to you, Jonathan. Um, what can we expect to see from Mankata when he is in the lineup for the Red Sox? Well, first of all, I, I'd like to say that I win because I was the one who was like, yes, bring him up. Jim was the uh, well, Wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm going to clarify. I don't know. He's not going to play. No, they no. I don't know if they should bring you him up. About, no, Jonathan, you talked about calling him up to use him as a pinch runner, which I said would be a total waste. They're going to let him play third base semi-regularly, and I'm all for that. So I actually think I had the better reasoning. I, I do think calling him up to pinch run a couple times a week off the bench would have been a huge waste. So I, I will protest at your use of I win. You, uh, you, you were going to use him in a minor role, and I said they should only call him up if they were going to use him in a more prominent role. So I think I win if we're keeping score on that one. I'm going to call it a draw uh, for the official uh, score. And I'm I'll relying go- on, on the short attention span of people everywhere. No one's going to remember who said what last week. All right. All right. But anyway, when he is anyway, in the lineup, whether he's yeah, on the no, base think, pass listen, or what. He, he has a chance to, to really provide a, a boost offensively. Obviously, he's not you know, played above double A, but uh, will translate. And he, you know, he, he makes good, consistent, hard contact. He's got some extra base pop. He can really run. Um, you know, he, he has a chance to do a lot of things that could, can help Boston continue to win games. I think it's going to be exciting. It's going to be a, an exciting infusion. Um, I love uh, when a team you know, sort of rolls the dice like this with a young guy at this stage. I think, Jim, you, you tweeted something like, you know, calling up baseball's number one prospect in the heat of a playoff race. Yes, please. Uh, like, and I have the same exact attitude. I can't wait to see what kind of impact he can have on Boston's offense. Now, you mentioned it, Jim. Uh, the plan is, I guess, to play him a, a little bit at least at third base. We'll see how he does. But third base, since early in the season when Travis Shaw got off to a tremendous start in Boston, third base has become a bit of a black hole there. Um, just no offense coming from that spot, which creates the chance for Mankata to play some more. How about defensively? Because obviously he's been a second baseman most of his life, but Dustin Pedroia's locked in there, signed through 2021. So he's got to learn third. Um, how far along is he in that development? Well, I mean, he, he's played third in Cuba, so it's not a foreign position to him. He, he's played his last 10 games in double-A at third base after playing only second base in the first two years of his pro career. Uh, made two errors in his second game, one error since. You know, also made some nice plays over third. I think, he, you know, for all his, his tools, and he's got about as good all-around tools as anybody in the minors. I mean, you're talking – switch hitter with electric bat speed who can hit for average and power and well above average speed and a strong arm. His second base defense was kind of average-ish. Um, he, he was not, you know, for as athletic as he is, the greatest defender. And I think he might be a better fit at third base. It's more of a reaction. The quick first step will play well there. He's got the arm strength. I think he can definitely handle the position. You mentioned the struggles Red Sox have had. You know, their third basemen are now producing the, the third lowest ops in the big leagues out of 30 teams, and Travis Shaw has been not very good at all since the All-Star break, and Aaron Hill has been terrible. This was a move that, that manager John Farrell lobbied for. He wanted Mankata, and Mankata has gotten better as he's moved up through the minors. He, he's drawing more walks this year. He's added some loss to his swing. After hitting 12 home runs in a season and a half in low Class A and high Class A, he's hit 11 in 45 games in A. So I think – you know, he's going to be a superstar. I don't think there's any question. 
for this guy, you know, he was signed to be a superstar. He got an all-time record bonus of $31.5 million. Red Sox had to pay a matching tax, matching tax penalty for exceeding their bonus pool, so that's $63 million. He'll be a superstar. He's living up to the Robinson Cano with more speed scattering reports. And the nice thing for the Red Sox is he, he doesn't have to be a superstar to be an upgrade on what Travis Sean Aaron Hill have been giving him recently. And, you know, talk about a you know, farm system being well-suited to plug holes at the big league level. First, you know, left field was kind of their weak spot, and they promoted Andrew Benintendi, who looked great before he got hurt. And now third base has been a weak spot for the Red Sox. And, oh, we have a Yohan Makata on hand. So, you know, not only two of the best prospects in baseball, but really the two biggest positions in need for Boston. Yeah, if only they had some starting pitching and middle relief down there in the minor league system, they'd be good to go. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to get editorial there. you got Chandler Shepard and Kyle Martin could be (laughs) up in September. Okay. All right, guys, we're going to move back to the Arizona Fall League a little bit. Yoan Mankato will be a part of that, as will Ozzy Albies. But I want to go through each team here. You guys get to pick which player on each Arizona Fall League roster you're most excited about to see, or if you want to say the one who could who could really shine the most, whatever direction you kind of want to take it. But you get one player per team. We'll go back and forth on the team. So, Jim, I'll start with you as we work our way alphabetically through this. You get the Glendale Desert Dogs. Yeah, I think the guy, and I, you know, I'm going to pick the best prospect, I think, for the most part of my teams, but I'm all, the thing that excites me about the Fall League, which ranks right up there, probably number two for me behind the College World Series, is my favorite baseball event of every year, is seeing guys I haven't seen before. And in the Fall League, a lot of times, I've, for whatever reason, the way spring training's worked out, I've gone to Arizona three years in a row, so seeing guys who maybe are with the, the Grapefruit League teams are guys I haven't seen. I'm excited about seeing Francis Martez of the Astros. He's the highest-ranked pitching prospect in the Fall League, according to MLB Pipeline Top 100. He's number 33 on the list right now. He's a guy they stole from the Marlins in the Jared Kozar trade a couple of years ago when he was just in rookie ball. Now he's throwing 93, 96 miles an hour with a very good curve. 20 years old, he's been in double-A all year. So, you know, got off to a bad start in April and made you wonder, okay, maybe we jumped the gun, maybe we overhyped this guy a little bit. And, no, he, he's looked very, very good since April. You know, the Astros, for a lot of things they do have on their big league club, they don't have a lot of power-armed starters. This is a power-armed starter who could be in their rotation at some point next year. So I'm really excited about seeing Francis Martez. I, uh, yeah, I mean, Martez, you know, David Paulino is going to be there as well, uh, another good find for the, for the Astros. Uh, I'll throw Zach Collins out there, uh, mostly just uh, because he is the only 2016 first-rounder. He may be the only 2016 draft on rosters as of right now. Um, it wouldn't shock me if there might be some more. Uh, but you know, he's already playing in the Carolina League. Uh, he's only going to be on a taxi squad. So he'll get to work on his catching, you know, catch a lot of bullpens, and then play a couple times a week just to see what the upper levels you know, might look like for him. And you know, a lot of times those guys that come from the draft and go to the Fall League continue to move very quickly the, uh, the following year. All right, Jonathan, you're up now, the Mesa Solar Sox. It is hard to pick. I mean, Mesa's pretty, pretty stacked. Um, I think Ian Happ is the highest-ranked prospect on there. But I'm actually going to talk more about his uh, organization mate who's going, Eloy Jimenez. Uh, I think it's fascinating that he's going to the Fall League. Uh, you know, most people remember him uh, from the Futures game. Uh, had a you know, kind of coming-out party there, the long home run, you know, fell over the railing to make a catch. 
and he's hitting 331 and slugging 536. He leads the Midwest League in, in OPS. Uh, he's had a really, really good year. And, and the Cubs, I think, understandably, have left him in the Midwest League all year, let him have the success, um, especially because, you know, if you're moving to Myrtle Beach, uh, you know, I, I don't know how much it would have meant right now. But then they send him to the Fall League to sort of give him a sense of what higher levels are going to be like. Now, whether that means that he skips a level or he can start moving more quickly, I don't know. But I'm really curious to see how he competes after what really is his first full season of pro ball, you know, how he competes against higher levels of competition. Uh, he's going to see a level of uh, pitching that, you know, pitching in the Fall League, year after year tends to not be great, but compared to the Midwest League, uh, he's going to see a lot of guys who pitch backwards, you know how to pitch, throw their off-speed stuff in different counts. Uh, it's going to be a good test, and I'm really excited to see what he can do. Yeah, that Mesa team really is loaded, Johnson. I mean, you have an outfield. The outfield alone, you have Eloy Jimenez, Bradley Zimmer, and Anthony Alford, and the double play combination looks like it'll be Ian Happ and Franklin Barreto. That's pretty uh, pretty nice nucleus there for the Mesa Solar Sox. I'm interested in seeing Ian Happ. Uh, you know, I'll admit that maybe – I mean, we, we both liked him in the 2015 drafting, went ninth overall, and I think he I, – I feel – I feel I guess I like him even more as a prospect now that he's gotten going in pro ball. You know, I always believed in the bat. Curious to see how he looks at second base. That was a position he didn't play a lot of in college. Scouts who saw him there weren't really sure that could work, but he, he's, he's at second base for the Cubs. They are trying to make that work out. And I'll be curious to see how that goes. You know, the, the, the big the question with him is he, he's moved so fast and he's such a gifted hitter that he probably is going to be ready for the big leagues at some point next season. And I have no idea where he fits in that Chicago lineup or even on the roster because they're just overloaded with, with young talent right now. I'm not going to mention this to Tommy LaStella. don't want to mention that uh, that infield can get even more crowded. But Ian Happ's not far off of being ready for the big leagues. Jim, you're up again, Peoria. Yeah, the Peoria Javelinas, uh, the, the guy who I'm interested in seeing, another guy who's an American League guy, so I haven't seen him in spring training, is Brent Honeywell of the Rays. Nice year in double-A at age 21. He, he famously throws the screwball. I think it's safe to say he's got the best screwball in the minor leagues, probably the big leagues too. Uh, good fastball change-ups there. Rays seem to have a knack for developing pitching, and, and this will be another nice step in his development. I think with him, you know, since he spent the second half of this season in double-A, this is probably something that's getting him a little bit closer to the big leagues. Wouldn't be surprised if we saw him in Tampa midway through 2017. It's an, it's an interesting roster. There's not a lot of uh, elite, elite talent. Um, you know, Tyler O'Neill is interesting just because he's having such a huge year uh, in, in the Southern League, uh, 24 homers, 100 runs batted in. Uh, he's even stolen 12 bases just, you know, unbelievably strong to, to see him uh, back in the fall league uh, again to, to see how he's improved. And then I'll throw out his uh, organization. I, mean, I like looking at the guys who are coming from younger levels. And Luis Gajara is from Brazil. He's a lefty in the Mariners organization. And he kind of stalled, couldn't get out of rookie ball, had trouble getting in shape. Something clicked this year, and uh, you know he's been pitching in the Midwest League and has been pitching really well. I don't know, how, you know what role he's going to have in, in the fall league, but uh, you know, kind of flipping around with Eloy Jimenez to see how he attacks more advanced hitters uh, uh, could be a fun thing. And he's a, a guy I'm kind of keeping a loose eye on as a under the radar pitching prospect. 
from the javelinas to the rafter, the river, uh, Salt River rafters. Jonathan, back to you. Well, I, you know, Ozzy Albies is the obvious choice, and not just because he joined us on, on the podcast, but, uh, you, you know, anytime you get a chance to see a player who's that dynamic, he's only 19, uh, and, and, you know, whether he gets the, the September call up or not, he, you know, next year he's probably going to get a legitimate chance to, to win the second base job, I think. Um, there's a lot of talent there. I'll throw uh, uh, Isan Diaz uh, on, on that list, bypassing the other top 100 guys. Uh, full season ball, hit 20 homers this year. Uh, really has hit exceedingly well in the second half in particular, but uh, really, really good bat. Uh, interested to see. I keep, I keep picking the guys from, from the Midwest League who are, are making a big leap in, into the fall league, so I'm curious to see how he does. Yeah, Diaz has been really interesting, leading the league with 20 home runs as a, as a 20-year-old, and that's a tough place to hit. I'll be curious to see how, you know, in addition to Albies and Diaz, how Brett Phillips bounces back with Salt River. Uh, you know, at one point, you know, it's still considered one of the better outfield prospects in the game, but he's had kind of a rough year, a lot more swing and miss than he'd shown in the past. He was in the Fall League last year but left early to go play an international tournament. And I'll be curious to see how he does in the Fall League, trying to get his career back on track a little bit uh, after hitting some bumps in the road this year. He, uh, he did. He, he's finishing a little bit better, I noticed, uh, hitting well down the stretch here, so maybe he'll carry that over. Jim, the Scottsdale Scorpions are next. Yeah, you know, it seems like we're talking about a lot of middle infielders, and, and I'll continue to do that with the, uh, with the Scorpions. You know, Glaber Torres, who I guess might have been there with the Mesa Solar Sox had he not gone from the Cubs to the Yankees. In the role of this Chapman trade, will we'll be in Arizona, one of the younger guys in the league. He's 19 years old. He and Jimenez were, were kind of the, the, the jewels of the 2013 uh, international amateur crop. And, you know, Torres is, you know, the, the switching organizations didn't really change much about him. He's still an advanced hitter for his age, solid power, solid speed, solid defense at short. The curious thing for me is when he got traded, you know, he joined a team that, that already had one of the better shortstop prospects in the minors, in Orhe Mateo, uh, another very, very talented Yankees youngster who's got, you know, as much speed as probably anybody on our top 100 prospects list. So we, with with Tora, with uh, with him being with him being faster, with Mateo being faster, I figured, okay, you know, he'll probably be the shortstop and Torres will be the second baseman, or at least there'll be a timeshare where they'll flip them back and forth. I mean, the Yankees are, are loaded with shortstop prospects, and a lot of their guys alternate between positions. But since that trade at Tampa, Torres has been the everyday shortstop, and Mateo has played a lot of second base. So, I'll be curious to see if Torres maybe gets some exposure to second base and, and, and maybe looking forward to digging into that a little bit as to why uh, he's been the shortstop and not Mateo. I, uh, I'll stay up the middle, uh, mostly because I was actually a little surprised to see Gavin Cicchini, uh going uh, to the Fall League again. Um, you know, he's in AAA. I, you know, he's sort of an interesting prospect because – he doesn't really have anything left to prove in the minors. I mean, he's at 327 this year. I know it's Las Vegas, but he's done everything he can. Uh, I don't know. Maybe they're going to start moving him around a little bit in the fall league to get him used to some other positions. Ahmed Rosario is, you know, is the shortstop of the future uh, and isn't that far behind Keeney. But, um, you know, I'm curious to see what he's going to be, you know, uh, asked to, to work on when, when he's in Arizona. And our final of the six teams in the AFL, the surprise Saguaros. Am I even saying that right? Yes, Saguaros. Right. No, it's no, no, no. Oh, it's Saguaros. All right, oh, Saguaros. Oh, whatever. Do you know what a Saguaro um, is? Either of you? No. 
Yes, Johnson. it's a cactus. Yeah, see, it's it, you get told that when you go to the Fall League. You get corrected on your pronunciation like I did. I also thought it was saguaros, and then you get told that it's a cactus. So, so points to Jonathan there. Thank you. The cactus you wouldn't go with surprise. Um, I will so. skip over Moncada because he's the obvious choice. Um, and uh, I guess I'll, you know, I'll, 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 I'll be a homer and go with Austin Meadows, uh, you know, as a guy who's going back to the Fall League. He uh, did not play well in Arizona last year, hit under 200 in his 65 at-bats. Uh, and, uh, you know, last year was the first year that he played a full healthy season. I think he was, he was out of gas. I'm, you know, not, he doesn't use it as an excuse, so I won't excuse him for it, but he, he just wasn't ready. Uh, he missed time this year, you know, the orbital bone fracture to start the year, and then he had a hamstring injury. So he's missed a, a good amount of time. So he's going to be making up for some at bats, and I think he's got, uh, you know, he should have something left in the tank also. has struggled a little bit since he came back from this last injury. Uh, and, you know, the, the funny thing is with him, the huge amount of time that he's missed in his career, he's still in AAA at age 21. So he, he's actually kind of ahead of the curve just because he's such a good pure hitter. So I, I think this will give him a chance to get some more advanced at-bats and, and give him the opportunity to maybe try to – somehow force the Pirates' hand next year, although the outfield situation certainly is extremely crowded. Yeah, the two things that interest me with Meadows are, 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 one, seeing what will happen with the Pirates with that outfield situation. I mean, you know, removing the human side from it, I mean, the thing that probably would make the most sense from a financial standpoint would be to trade Andrew McCutcheon to create room for Austin Meadows, although that's easier said than done. I, I, that wouldn't be a very popular move in Pittsburgh. And two, the way, with the way Meadows struggled last year, it reminds me of when I saw Corey Seager. I want to say it was in the fall of 2013. Seager was, was very young. It was his first full season in pro ball. He'd gone from – he tore up the Midwest League, but he went to the Cal League and struggled and then went to the Arizona Fall League and struggled mm-hmm. even more. And then you saw him again the next year, and it was a totally different guy. And I'm wondering if we're going to see – if I'm going to see – and I suspect I will, a totally different Austin Meadows than the guy who struggled last year in the AFL. Uh, the other guy on, on surprise, who I'm interested in seeing, Nick Gordon would be a good choice, the, the, the twin shortstop Tom, Tom's son, is Michael Kopech of the Red Sox. This is a guy yeah. who has had a couple suspensions but has a really, really live arm. There were reports that he hit 105 miles an hour on radar guns earlier in the season. He, he's got a very hard, hard slider that can reach the low 90s as well. I, uh, I stalked Ray Black and sat behind scouts with their radar guns whenever Ray Black pitched last year, and I saw Ray Black hit 104 uh, and pop 103 uh, multiple times, and I'm sure I will be uh, stalking Michael Kopech, and uh, not the velocity is everything, but uh, you know, I want to see if maybe Michael Kopech can, can, can get a triple-digit reading for me too. All right, great stuff. The Arizona Fall League officially gets underway. October 11th is where the game, when the games begin down there in Arizona. Before I let you guys go, uh, Jim, I know you have the top 10 players from the Cape coming out here on MLBPipeline.com. So real quick, um, I know number one guy you have on that list is Brady Singer, shockingly a Florida pitcher. We never talk about those guys. Um, maybe just what, what stood out the most uh, from what you've heard about Brady Singer this summer on the Cape. Yeah, yeah, we'll give you a tease. We have top ten prospects, and I'll blog another ten. But Brady Singer, 
Yeah, we had Alex Fayeto of Florida was the number one prospect on Team USA. Brady Singer, the number one prospect on the Cape. 92, 96-mile-an-hour fastball with unbelievable life on, on, on the fastball. Just runs in on right-handers. It eats up bats. He's got a solid slider. He, he's got a change-up, feel for the change-up. He ticks all the boxes. He, he's got command. He competes. He's still projectable at six foot five, 195 pounds. Uh, to, to make sure I mention all of our, our favorite cliches, Tim, I'll throw in some, some, some downward angle there for you, downward plane on his pitches. But, you know, the, the only – it's not really negative – but uh, you, you you can't have this guy next year, Tim. Teams have to wait till 2018. He's only a, he'll be a, a rising sophomore, second round pick of the Blue Jays out of high school. They should have signed him. They elected not to, and, and he could be the number one overall pick in 2018. All right, great stuff. And you can check out that whole top ten on MLBPipeline.com. And like Jim said, another ten coming on the blog. Good stuff. Um, all right, that's going to do it for another Pipeline podcast for Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. I'm Tim McMaster. Tune in again next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.